0: Hmm. You know, those are, uh, those are epic emotions, aren't they? And the story that we're going to look at today is an epic story. Not because it's about a big boat and a massive flood. It is epic not because it is about assassination plots or heroes. It is not an epic plot because a small army of men with strange weapons go up against thousands of well-armed soldiers and rout them. Today's story is an epic story because it deals with human emotion and human drama and the stuff of real life that the main characters of this story experience. And I think out of all of the four epic stories that we have looked at, this is the one. This is the one that if we would allow ourselves we can most closely identify with the feelings that the main characters experience. Because I understand that when we watch a drama like that, I think for nearly all of us, it touches something deep in our emotions, deep in our hearts. We can identify with the longing of a couple for a child. The pain of waiting and wondering. And I know I understand the thought and the pain of the possibility of losing a child and it gives you this hopeless, crushing feeling. I want you to know the story of that video is really the story of Abraham and Sarah. And the emotions of that video are the emotions of Abraham and Sarah. And so if you will allow yourself today I want you to feel those emotions. I want you to feel that human drama that takes place in this story because this that's what makes it epic. It's found in Genesis chapter 22. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, it's the very first book in the Bible. And if you find your way to chapter 22, let me kind of set up the story for you and then we'll jump into it. The background on this story is that Abraham and Sarah are the main characters and they lived at the beginning of the story in what would be today modern Iraq. And after they had lived there for some time, when they were about 75 years of age, at least Abraham was, God came to Abraham one day and said, Abraham, I want you to pack up everything and I want you to move to a different place. The place I'm not going to tell you yet, but I just want you to pack up and go. And so at age 75, Abraham and Sarah pack up all of their belongings, all of their household, and they go. You see, Abraham seemed to believe, and so he took action, And he waited for God to provide. God made another promise to Abraham at the same time. He said to Abraham, Someday, your offspring are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. (laughs) Now, Abraham found that a bit hard to believe because you see, they didn't have a son yet. And they had waited for years and years and years, 75 years. And there was no son. But you know what? Abraham believed God. He took action and he waited for God to provide. Now, 25 years went by and still no son. Can you imagine the struggle emotionally to wait 25 long years for a child that you wanted so badly and nothing happens? But finally, after 25 years of waiting, Abraham and Sarah give birth to a son. Isaac is his name. Isaac, the name means laughter, and I am confident that there he filled their house with laughter and joy. And I can just imagine they reveled in the joy of this child that they had waited so long for. It was an incredible gift from God. And that's where our story begins today in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And here's what we read there. It says, sometime later, so sometime after... Isaac had been born, and there is some debate about exactly how long that had been. Some people, uh, scholars, think that it would be a minimum of about 15 years, that Isaac would be a young teenager, 15, 16, 17 years old. There are other scholars who, as they study the ages of Abraham and Sarah, think that Isaac actually could be as old as his mid-30s by this point. And so this kind of tuck that away for later in the story, but he is somewhere in that range of 15 to 30 years old. So God waits, and then He says this, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham... Now, I don't know if God literally showed up in this case as an angel and there was some appearance when the voice says Abraham, or if this is an audible voice that comes literally from heaven, or if this is just that inner cry of God that gets His attention. But by his response, simply, here I am, he replied, I realize it is not the first time. And if you read earlier in the Bible here, this is not the first time that God and Abraham have had a talk with each other. It's not the first time that God has showed up and said to him, Abraham, and then offered some kind of promise or some kind of challenge to him. They are familiar with each other. Here I am, he replied. Verse 2, he says, then God said, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Now, here's another thing I want you to tuck away for later in the story. Moriah will later become Jerusalem, that region. And later, that's where the temple will be built. And ultimately, not far from there is the place where Jesus will hang on the cross. And so, as you think about what happens and unfolds here in this story, realize the place they're headed to is in the same place where Jesus will ultimately hang on the cross and pay the sacrifice for all of our sins. And here's what God asked Him to do with His Son, His only Son, the Son that He loves. Sacrifice Him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Can you imagine... God is saying to Abraham, I want you to take your son. The son that you waited 25 years for. Really, much longer than that. The the son that was a miracle from God. The son that has filled your home with laughter and joy. The son that you cherish and love as only a parent possibly can. I want you to take that son and I want you to kill him. I'm going to take him away from you. I'm going to remove him from your house. Can you imagine? What would you do? What would you do if you were in Abraham's shoes? Well, here's what he does in verse 3. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. Now, I don't know if it's early the next morning because he really was anxious to get on the trip or he just got up early because he hadn't been able to sleep at all during the night. I think maybe that was it. He just couldn't sleep. But he gets up early the next morning, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Here's what happens. Abraham believed. And so he took action and he waited for God to provide. Now that I think the New Testament gives us some insight into what is it exactly that Abraham believes here that prompts him to action. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, "It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him." Now there's just a glimpse into what's going to happen here in a little bit in the story. It goes on to say this. It says, there we go, Abraham who had received God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, though God had promised him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. God had made Abraham this promise. That's what Abraham believes. Here's the rest of what Abraham believes as the verse continues. He says, Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back From the dead. Here's what Abraham believed. Abraham believed that God had promised that through his son Isaac, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so Abraham believed that God would fulfill His promise. Abraham trusted that somehow God would provide a way to still make His promise true. And so, believing God's promise... Abraham took action. He packed up for the trip. He took the wood that he would need for the sacrifice. He took two servants and he took his son Isaac and he headed off on the journey. Abraham believed God would keep His promise. I don't know if you uh, saw this week, but the secret's out about Beijing. Did you see that? The secret about the uh, opening ceremonies of the Olympics next Friday night. It has been a closely guarded secret for months and months and months, but somehow this week a Korean television crew got in to the rehearsal and they filmed it and they broadcast what's going to happen. The Chinese people, the officials aren't very happy, but just as a preview for you, I guess there are going to be uh, flying whales and waterfalls and people on high ropes uh, swinging like Peter Pan and fireworks and all kinds of things. Well, they wanted all that to be a secret, but now it's been revealed by video. I imagine Abraham would have loved it if somebody could have sent him a video to reveal exactly how it is that God was going to provide. But that doesn't happen. And nevertheless, Abraham believes somehow God will provide. His faith is strong enough to trust God will come through on His promise. Listen to what happens in verse 4. It says, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Three days they've been traveling. That's three days to think about what God has asked him to do. That's three days to doubt God. Three days to turn back. But Abraham doesn't. Verse 5, he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then catch this. And then we will come back to you. Abraham believed. Abraham believed that somehow God was going to provide. Somehow God was going to keep His promise. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Now that's an interesting parallel and I think it's very intentional. It is an interesting parallel to something that happens in the story of Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was headed for the cross? That they put His cross on His back and He carried the cross. The cross that He would be nailed to. The cross that He would be sacrificed upon. Jesus carries it. And in this case, Abraham places the wood that Isaac will be laid on to be sacrificed on Isaac's back. And he carries it. And he himself, Abraham, carried the fire and the knife. I love this next conversation. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, I think Isaac asked this a little bit in the tone of a young teenage boy or maybe a young man kind of doubting that their dad has any idea what they're doing. Uh, dad, we've got the fire and the wood, but I think you're forgetting something. That thing called the lamb, don't you think we ought to have one of those to make a sacrifice? Verse 8, Abraham answered, God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And it seems to me that Isaac doesn't argue. Now parents, here's a great insight for us. Abraham believed, he took action, and he waited for God to provide. And you know what? When he demonstrates that to Isaac here, it seems that Isaac doesn't argue. Which says to me that this is not the first time that Isaac has seen his father demonstrate this kind of faith. It's not the first time they've had a discussion about it. And Isaac has learned by watching his dad to also believe. That God is faithful to fulfill His promises and that He ought to go ahead and take action and let God provide. And so without argument, they continue on up the hill. Verse 9, When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now here is another example not only of Abraham's Faith, but also of Isaac's. He's at least 15 years old, and I'm telling you, my 15-year-old, my 16-year-old, if I tried to tie them up and lay them on an altar, they could get away if they wanted to. I'm still smarter, but they're stronger. It's The first time I think I've ever admitted that publicly, but but it's true. And so, it shows me that Isaac... Isaac completely trusted his dad, first of all. And secondly, in an amazing way, Isaac trusted God. Verse 10, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And I think this is a here I am of relief. I am sure immediately Abraham is thinking, I hope this is the moment where God is going to do something to stop this. I hope this is the moment that God is going to do something to provide. Verse 12, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from Me your son, your only son. Test. Do you remember back in verse 1 it says God tested Abraham? He passed the test. That word test simply means to place, to test completely under stress. And he passed the test. You've probably seen this label for Underwriters Laboratory. They test thousands of products Now, when they test products, they don't test products to try to break them as much as they test them to prove that they are reliable and good. This past year, in 2007, there were over 21 billion products that had the UL mark on it. They tested last year alone over 98,000 products. Again, not trying to break them, but to prove them good and reliable. And when God tested Abraham, His goal was not to break Abraham. His goal was to prove him good and reliable. And I don't think the purpose of the test was to erase God's doubt about Abraham. I don't think God doubted Abraham. I think the purpose of the test was to remove the doubt that Abraham had about himself. And he passed the test. He proved again that he believed in the promise of God Which resulted in him taking action and letting God provide. And God had provided. Verse 13. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. Now I think somewhere on this particular day there is some shepherd who is missing a little ram. He is looking around worried, wondering what happened to my ram. He's missing. Well, God had moved him away. And do you notice that he is caught by his horns? It's interesting because when the old Seth, the Israelites, were instructed to make a sacrifice to God, the sacrifice always had to be without blemish. It couldn't be cut or injured in any way. And so it's interesting, this ram is caught in such a way that he would not be injured. He wouldn't be cut. He wouldn't be bleeding. He would be a pure and spotless sacrifice. God not only has provided, but He has provided in an incredible way for Abraham. So he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. For certainly He had. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham believed. He had taken action and God had provided. Now did Abraham know from the very beginning how God was going to provide? No. He just believed that he would somehow provide. I heard a story about a little girl who was trapped in her second-story bedroom by a fire and the father was standing down on the ground. He had made his way out of the house and so he cried up to his little girl, just let go and jump, but she protested. But Dad, I can't see you. He said, that's okay because I can see you. Let go and jump. And she let go and jumped to safety. By letting go, she was found safety. And in Abraham's case, by letting go of his son, it was only then that God was able to provide for him. Because he had believed and he had been willing to take action. Well, listen to what happens in verse 15 to kind of wrap up the story here. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your Son, your only Son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed Me. Now, how is it that all nations of the earth were going to be blessed? Do you know who's in the line, the heritage of Abraham? Jesus Christ part of his offspring eventually. That very Jesus who would be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Verse 19, then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. You know what? Abraham believed, he took action, and he waited for God to provide. It's not a bad plan for our lives, is it? that we would believe the promises of God, we would take action to obey, and we'd let God provide. Let me try to illustrate how that gets lived out in daily life. If you find out tomorrow that you lose your job, and I hope that's not the case for any of you, but if you were to lose your job, you could trust in the promise of God that He has said, I will provide for your needs. Uh, Not your wants, but your needs. And sometimes we have a hard time separating those. His promise is that I'll make sure you have shelter, I'll make sure that you have clothing, and I'll make sure that you have something to eat. Now I can trust in that promise, but if I were to find out that I had lost my job, by the example of this story and the example of the Bible, does that mean I had to just sit around and say, God will provide, God will provide? No. The example of the Bible is that I ought to trust that God's promise is true that He will provide, but I also ought to take action. The Bible says it's up to us sometimes to pursue work. And so you know what I ought to do? I ought to clean up my resume and get it sent out. I ought to look at the one ads. I ought to knock on doors. I ought to make phone calls. I ought to do everything that I can possibly do all the while trusting that God will ultimately provide. Suppose that in several weeks, we find out a hurricane is headed this way. Which again, I hope doesn't happen. We can trust in the promise that God says, I will take care of your family. I will watch over them. Does that mean in the midst of the oncoming hurricane that I should just sit idly by and do nothing? No. Good common sense would say I trust in God's promise to take care of me, but I ought to go ahead and put storm shutters on my house or board it up or gather the necessary hurricane supplies or when I'm told, I ought to evacuate, all the while trusting that ultimately God will provide. When we found out last year that Michael had cancer, we trusted in the promise that God would ultimately take care of him. Now, that didn't mean that he would ultimately be cured, But it meant that God's promise was, I will take care of Him, whatever that means. You can place Him in my trust. Now, does that mean we just sat around and did nothing? No. We trusted God's promise, but we also took action to seek treatment. And ultimately, God provided. Because as of this point, Michael has no cancer in his body. Let me explain it one more way. It's an old, 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 old preacher story. I don't even know if it's true, but it illustrates. So allow me to tell you an old preacher's story. There was a man who lived in a two-story house one day and this, the water began to rise around him because of the rain and a river and it was flood conditions. So he went to the second story of his house and while he was there he was saying, God, please save me from the flood. The water continued to rise. He went to the attic. The water continued to rise and he continued to say, God, please save me from the flood. Finally, he found himself on the roof and while he was sitting on the roof crying out to God, please save me from the flood, someone came by in a boat and said, hey, jump in and I'll take you to safety. And he said, no, God's going to provide. He continued to cry out to God and another boat came by. And again, they said, please get in. Let us take you to safety. No, God's going to take care of me. Quite a while later, he was still there. A helicopter flew over and lowered a lifeline to him and they shouted instructions, grab on and we'll take you to safety. And the man said, no, God's going to provide. The helicopter flew away. He was still in his roof. Time went by until so he began to cry out to God kind of angrily, why aren't you providing for me? And God said back to him, well, I think it's two boats and a helicopter. What do you want? The Bible teaches and Abraham clearly models here that I am to believe the promises of God. I go ahead and take action to do what God has said to do. And I wait for God to provide. The New Testament gives evidence of this in two verses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this in the New Living Translation. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that, we, that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It is the belief that the promises of God are true and that God will prove Himself to be faithful and dependable and that He is full of integrity to do what He says. But then one book later in the Bible, the book of James, we read this, "...in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead." In fact, I like the message translation of that same verse. It says, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? You see, the Bible teaches that I am to believe and trust in the promises of God. There are times in response to His promises that I need to go ahead and take action, always realizing that ultimately it is up to God to provide. Believe take action, let God provide. I think it makes sense for life. It certainly made sense for Abraham. What would happen in our lives if we truly believed the promises of God, we took action to be obedient, and we really let God provide for us? Let's pray together. God, this story is filled with such human drama and emotions. God, it grips our hearts to think of Abraham and Sarah, their longing for a child, and then God, the instruction that you were going to take him away. And yet God, their belief in your promise never wavered, and they obediently did what you asked them to do, all the while trusting That You would provide. Father, would You help us to have that kind of faith in our lives and to believe in Your promises and to let You provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.